Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com, and I'm pleased to welcome Prescott Winter. Dr. Winter is a former Chief Information Officer and Chief Technology Officer at the National Security Agency, the cryptologic organization administered by the Defense Department that's charged with monitoring federal computer networks to protect them against attacks. He now serves as Chief Technology Officer at the IT security and compliance provider, ArcSite. Welcome, Press. Yeah, thank you very much. It's great to be here, Eric. Please assess the quality of the technology our adversaries employ to infiltrate American government and business critical IT assets. There are two or three major parts to the answer to that. One is that for a very long time, our major universities have been turning out lots of PhDs, and, and if you look at the logs, you'll discover that three-quarters of those folks are more are foreign nationals. When you talk about the level of expertise that foreign governments bring to bear in doing whatever they do in the network environment, whether it's stuff that we can put up with or stuff that we have to worry about, you have to recognize that the world is a shrinking environment, that the level of expertise is increasingly equal and shared around the world, and it really gets down to how effectively people use the expertise, which is now pretty much a global commodity. That's when you get down to how effectively organizations are run and how effectively policy structures engage expertise and a lot of other things that are very subtle determiners of sort of who leads and who follows in this game. The longer-term course of the educational processes and the openness in society, penetration of the Internet, the fact that so much technology is increasingly being designed and built and operated overseas means that there's a definite leveling effect here, and we don't necessarily have the upper hand in all cases. We certainly are highly competitive, and in some specialized area is probably still well in front, but it's very clear that the world is catching up with us in a lot of areas. The other really significant factor in the way adversaries come at us is the transition from older style threats to what is often loosely called the advanced persistent threat. The term is a little bit of a buzzword, and like most buzzwords, it's become a little bit shapeless as a result. When you look at the advanced persistent threat, it strikes me that any organization, government or private sector, that has strategically important information needs to consider itself a target. And you need to consider yourself a target for adversaries who are going to use that world-class skill that I talked about a minute ago. They are going to come at you in a very persistent, patient way. They're going to use all kinds of tricks to get into you that you might not have thought of. If they are nation-states particularly, they are probably going to find ways to, in effect, blend the different types of intelligence gathering mechanisms that we know in this country as SIGINT and HUMINT and so forth. You need to be on your toes and you need to be aware that you're facing attacks that could come at you in lots of different domains. There are two or three examples of this kind. We see, for example, all the social engineering that goes on with the creation of spear phishing attacks, the use of various kinds of expectations on the part of the target as to what is a legitimate communication, what is legitimate information, and the ability of the adversary to twist those legitimate expectations to serve the purposes of an attack. This is, I think, a new development in the last couple, three, four years. It's not necessarily a new development in the deep world of government against government, but it clearly is, I think, a bit of a shocker to people on the outside. That whole aspect of the situation has changed significantly, and people simply need to be on their guard. So how would you assess the ability of our government and the operators of the, the critical infrastructure here in the United States to respond to this increased knowledge and abilities from abroad? I think we have a lot of work to do. I'm not sure I'm quite in the camp that says that instant national death is possible in 15 minutes, like some of the more sensational portrayals have suggested. It's very clear that an adversary that was really intent on doing deep harm could do so. 
On the other hand, I also think that there has been an increased awareness of the problem now for some time. And if you look at the, the DOD systems, for example, while the number of attacks has definitely gone way up, I think that the ability to respond has also improved significantly. And if you look at the simple statistics, in 2006, DOD systems presumably were hit something like 6 million times. There was a report not long ago to the effect that DOD systems are now being hit 6 million times a day. So you have a 365-fold increase in the level of attack. And, you know, you can you can argue about exactly what we mean by DOD systems. Is this Pentagon only? Is this stuff in the field? Is it commands? Is it everything else? But it's very clear, however you map these things, that there's been an enormous increase. In contrast, though, note the fact that the Defense Department has been living with this increased level of stress now all those years. It's doing an increasingly effective job of protecting itself, I think, in a lot of ways. The birth of Cyber Command and the expectation that we will defend ourselves in cyberspace effectively is part of the response. We also see specific evidence that we're doing better in the actual online environment. We scored a significant success recently working with a couple of our integrated folks at European Command in actually stopping a red team attack. If you're at all aware of the history of the red team attack, you know that since the first big red team in 97, the eligible receiver in 1997, the red teams have been largely unchallenged. To actually stop one of the red teams cold, to pick up all their invasions and intrusions and to identify what they were up to and to basically stop the exercise is, a, is an enormous improvement. You're hitting on a point that I, I like to explore. Is it a new mindset in which it may be impossible to stop infiltrations into key systems, but there is a way to control what goes on within that key system, having understanding what's going on within, and that's how you defend yourself? You know, I think that there's this change from what I would call an older style of approach, sort of the, the perimeter defense approach, what we call enterprise threat and risk management, ETRM. And that really means that you have to assume that your walls are going to be breached. You have to assume that they're going to get in. And so the art form here is to figure out who's in your network, good or bad, figure out what they're doing, identify whether it's consistent with or contrary to all the policies that you have to put in place to protect all your information and systems. And then finally, once you determine that somebody's in there and they're doing something that you don't like that's contrary to policy, figure out how to stop it and figure out how to stop it quickly so that they don't do more than acceptable levels of harm. That's a new model. That's an entirely new prospect. And it requires new kinds of skills, new monitoring and control technologies, and new kinds of responses. Let's talk a little bit about attribution. Let me define it as the ability to understand who's making these infiltrations, who's attacking the systems. And if I understand the state of the art right now with the more sophisticated attackers, we may be able to tell what country they're from. Actually identifying the specific attacker is difficult. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Maybe beyond difficult, it may be virtually impossible in, in most cases. Impossible in the sense of any time in the future or in the near future? I don't know that it's going to be impossible in the longer term as we get better handles on where information comes from, better cooperation in the international environment, better assistance from foreign partners and so forth. In a lot of cases, we'll have a better ability to pinpoint these things. When Estonia was attacked in April and May of 2007, the computers that were attacking them were identified as, as being in something like 176 different countries and a very large number of those in the U.S., and part of the success in the response, the defense, was actually to work with the U.S. and with Finland, as it turned out, to identify flows of traffic that had large quantities of the attacking malware, denial of service attacks, and actually have the carriers in those places begin to throttle that stuff and, and cut down the volume of the attack. There will be lots of ways that will appear in the future, and many of those are issues of international policy and coordination. They're not just technology.
Let's switch topics a bit. What do you see now as the greatest threats facing American IT systems and what can be done about them? To begin with, I'm not sure American IT systems are any different than anybody else's. Most of the time, those stand around and carry all the sensitive information which is of interest to critical adversaries. Those IT systems are commercial systems, which were built with basically market penetration and speed, you know, time to market as the major objective in the design and development of the products. They were not built with security as the number one criterion. They are going to continue to have flaws. Uh, I would have to give high marks to some of the companies, uh, Microsoft among them, uh, that have begun to take this threat very seriously and spend a lot of time and effort learning how to write better secured code. If you extend beyond just the IT into some of the other critical infrastructure areas, we still have a lot of work to do looking at a lot of the basic control systems, you know, SCADA and things like that. But I think that there's a growing awareness that this is a serious problem and, you know, some of the right kinds of things are beginning to happen. Are you seeing enough IT vendors creating products today that are secure or is this still something that has to be more emphasis placed on it? I think it's a roadmap to the future. I don't think this is necessarily going to be an easy score across the goal line for all those reasons. I mean, you know, in large measure, even the buyers whose systems are at risk don't necessarily put security at the top of the priority list. As we go around and talk to CISOs and CTOs and CIOs, in some ways, the biggest problem they have is explaining to their CEOs and CFOs why it's wise and necessary to spend money on protection. People just don't understand the threat if you look at the cost of cleanup, if you look at the cost of damage, if you look at the cost of the liability, liability problems that ensue when you have a major data breach. If you look at all that and you look at the problems to brand name and the public trust and all that kind of thing, I don't think there's any argument that this is a good investment. But then I came out of a national security agency where any breach is unacceptable. In the government, particularly in the national security community, the design tolerance for any breach of data is zero. There still isn't a feeling among many organizations of the strategic importance of security. They don't see the need to make the kind of investments that you feel maybe they should. And because of that, there are software and some hardware vendors out there that may not be creating enough of their products to be secure enough. I would agree with that, absolutely. And I think it goes beyond just the basic security of the products. It also goes to how they're deployed and implemented and used. I mean, one of the fundamental truisms of good security is that you can take a pretty good product, but if you deploy it badly and configure it wrong, you're basically going to have trouble. Ultimately, you simply have to be able to have the expertise when the thing is deployed to get it right, or it's going to be a problem for you, even though it was a pretty good product to start with. Thanks, Press. You're welcome. That's Prescott Winter, CTO at ArcSight and former CIO and CTO at the National Security Agency. I'm Eric Chabro for GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.